Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. What is up, LifeGate? Happy Easter. Come on, how many are excited about Easter? I am excited. I love Easter. I know most people really like Christmas, but Easter is my favorite. I mean, who doesn't love getting new clothes and going to church? Come on, right? I mean, y'all are looking good today. I know y'all are good looking, but you're looking even better than usual today because y'all dressed up in your pastels. Just tell your neighbor, tell you, you look good today. You look good. I mean, because I'm telling you, something about Easter, you get to springtime, pretty weather, you get to wear your new clothes. I mean, and you know it's Easter at LifeGate if the pastor's got on a tie, because it only happens once a year. I know that. And then you get chocolate bunnies, and you get Easter eggs, and you get all the five five Easter services, all that fun stuff about Easter. And of course, all that stuff is great, but we know that ain't what Easter's about. Come on, right? We know it ain't about great clothes. It ain't about great services or great sermons like you're going to get today. You better say amen to that. But it's more about Jesus, man. He rose. He came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross, died a brutal, brutal, brutal criminal's death, went into that tomb, but he didn't stay in that tomb, y'all. I got good news. He is alive today on that third day. He rose, and that's what we celebrate. And I think more than two people ought to get excited about that today. Come on. Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. And really at the heart of Easter, it really comes down to to this idea, and the idea is new beginnings. Man, it really comes down to this idea that there is a chance for a second chance. There is a chance for a fresh start. That Easter really represents the fact that no matter how bad we have messed it up, no matter how far gone we have been, that no one is ever too far gone because of what Jesus did. If he went into that tomb, and if he came out on the third day, then guess what? There is hope for you. There's no marriage that's too far gone. There's no health that's too far gone. There's no relationship that's too far gone. There's no situation and no person that is too far gone because of what Jesus did. It's all about fresh starts. Do-overs. In fact, that's what we're starting to talk about today. A brand new series is going to start today. Go through these next four weeks. We're going to be talking about do-overs. We're going to be talking about what happens when we fail and how do we start again fresh. And man, what a great way to start out on Easter Sunday talking about how Jesus wants to give us a fresh start. And here's the deal, guys. Come on. How many would be with me? You raise your hand and say, man, sometimes I wish I had a do-over. Come on. Right? All over the room. In fact, I've had a few of these moments in my life. I mean, especially as a pastor, I started out as a pastor when I was really young. I mean, I've been a pastor. I know you think I'm young now, but I was really young then. 20 something years ago, I started out as a pastor and I've been up here, you know, I speak every weekend and whatever. And I've had a few times as a public speaker when I wished I could have a rewind. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, the words came out and I'm like, I can't believe that came out like that. Bring it back in and let me do that over again. Right. In fact, I was thinking about about one of the worst times ever whenever I was just a, I was a really young pastor. I was about 24 years old. And so when you're that young and you're a pastor, people are already looking at you like he 
he's young, he's going to mess it up. And so I'm like trying to get it right, man. I'm trying to make sure I'm saying it just right and doing all the things just right. Cause I didn't, I knew people were already looking. I didn't want to mess it up. And so I remember one Sunday I was preaching and I was preaching on this passage in Isaiah that says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against them. And I was getting a little excited like I do up here sometimes, you know, and it's starting to just kind of flow out. And, and I was trying to say this phrase and the enemy is advancing, but my tongue got a little bit twisted. And instead of saying the enemy is advancing, I said, and the enema is advancing. <laughs> and what do you think people did? <laughs> exactly what you just did. <laughs> I mean, and I try to just keep like, covered up, act like I didn't say it, and just keep on preaching. But I look over here, and some people are chuckling over here. And I look over on this side, people are chuckling. I look right over there in the back. One of the deacons is just busting out laughing. And so finally, I'm like, okay, guys, I said it. Enema. And everybody just laughs. Man, I was wishing for a do-over on that day. I'll tell you that for sure. And you know what's even funnier than that was after service, this lady came up to me, a young lady in the church, and she says, I'm sorry, Pastor, you really didn't get it wrong because the devil's up my butt all the time. I don't know if you can say that on Easter Sunday, but I just just did, okay. Like, I've had a few of those moments. You just wish you could rewind, have a do-over, start over. I remember even here at LifeGate, it's been a few years ago, but me and this me and this table here, we go way back. I've used a, ta- a table like this uh, from the very beginning of the church. Actually, this is not the actual one. There's actually another one that looked just like this is the replacement one. And the reason is, is because I used to have the table a little closer to the front of the stage. And instead of walking in front of it, what I'd do is I'd walk behind it. And sometimes, again, you know, I just can't help it. I get a little fired up up here. And so sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd walk by and I would like kind of just slam the table like that for a point of emphasis, like Jesus rose, you know, like that. And then I walk on the other side and I kind of slam the table for emphasis. And what I didn't realize, because, you know, I'm a public speaker. I'm looking at y'all in the eyes, right? I'm not looking at the table. What I didn't realize was that every time I walked by and slammed the table, it was inching just a little bit closer to the front edge of the stage until finally I slammed my hand down on it one last time and the table come crashing down off the stage in a heap right there in front of the first row of chairs. I'm telling you, I was looking for a place to hide. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking, I wish I could do that all over. In fact, even even like just recently, it's been maybe about a year ago or so, I was up here preaching and I was making this great emphasis about, I mean, it was a great point. I don't know how I got here, but somehow in this point, I actually compared pregnant women to elephants and man, that was just not good. I'm telling you. And the words came out and I was like, I wish I could suck them back in, rewind, have a do over. How many can relate to that? You know what I'm saying? Cause we all do it. We all, we all blow it. And, and here's the deal is it starts out when we're just little. We don't tend to get it right the first time. Like most of the time, it takes us more than one try to get it right. You think about when you were just little, you probably don't remember that, but if you're a parent, you might remember. I mean, think about the first time that they tried to eat on their own. They probably got more of it on the floor than they did in their mouth, right? I mean, they didn't get it right the first time. You think about the first time they try to walk and those first few baby steps and they don't get it right the first time. It takes several tries to get it right. The first time, you know, we got a two-year-old about to start doing the potty training thing and that first few times, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't tend to get it right the first time. And that's something that doesn't just, doesn't just happen when we're babies. It carries through all of our life. 
I mean, you think about it. Like when you were a teenager, the first time you, you tried to learn how to ride your bike or the first time you tried to learn how to drive a car or the first time you tried to, you tried to ask that girl on the date. And man, sometimes we just don't get it right. And even as adults, like we need a do-over sometimes. In fact, some of you, you know, the truth is you, you didn't get college right the first time. And you've actually got the school bills to show for it. Some of you, you know, you didn't get your marriage right the first time or the second time or the third. And you've got the divorce papers to prove it. Some of you, you didn't get your job right the first time. And you got some pink slips and some regrets and some hurts. Some of you didn't get raising your kids right the first time. And you're carrying that around with you everywhere you go. And the truth of the matter is we blow it. This is not something that's new. This is actually something that has been this way since the very beginning of time. I mean, you might remember the story of creation. God created the heavens and the earth and he, and he created an incredible, beautiful, perfect garden. And he took the dirt and he formed it into Adam and he breathed the life into Adam. And then he realized that Adam needed, needed a partner. And so he took a rib from Adam and he created Eve and he put them in this garden that was a perfect place, a perfect garden. But what did they do with perfection? Same thing we all do. They messed it up. Serpent comes along, tempts them with the one thing that God said. You can have it all, but just don't have this one thing. And of course, that was the thing that they just had to have. And since that moment in time, it has become human nature that we don't get it right the first time. And our lives are filled with sin. Our lives are filled with struggles. Our lives are filled with failures and faults and regrets and shames and difficulties. And we just don't get it right the first time. In fact, the scripture says it's going to be this way. In Romans 3, 23, the Bible says it like this. All have sinned and fall short. Everybody say fall short. And fall short. The glory of God. Every one of us. We've blown it. We've messed up. But here's the good news of Easter. The good news is that even though you've messed up, that God wants to give you a do-over. That God, if, if he went to that tomb, if he rose on the third day, there is nothing in your life. There is nothing that is hopeless. There is nothing that is too far gone that cannot receive a fresh start, a new beginning, a second chance. There is hope for you. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Romans. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 6. Look what he says. Even when we were what? Everybody say these words aloud. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. And he died for who? For us sinners, mess ups, screw ups, people who have messed it up time and time again. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came and he died For us, verse 8 says that God showed us how much he loved us in that he sent his son Christ to die for us even while we were still sinners. Even while we were still messing stuff up, God loved us so much that he sent his son to give us another chance. In fact, that leads me to our first point today. By the way, I only have two points. Don't get too excited because that really don't mean anything. I can preach just as long on two points as I can on twelve. But if you're taking notes, write down the first one is this. God wants to give you a second chance. Everybody look at your neighbor. Just tell them God wants to give you a second chance. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are here and you're going, well, I understand. Like, I blow it. I mess up. But really, Pastor, I'm not that bad. 
you know, like compared to other people, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm a good person. I'm a good husband. I'm a good, I'm a good spouse or a good employer, employee. I like, I go to church. I'm here today, aren't I? I mean, look at me. Come on. I got dressed up, came to church. Like I give money in the offering. I do good stuff. I don't, I don't cuss at least not that much, you know, and I don't drink or chew or smoke or go with girls who do or however that goes. And man, I'm a good person, but are we really? I mean, think about it. Even as good as we are, don't we blow it so many times and fall short? In fact, let's just do a little survey. I need you to help me out here today by raising your hand. How many of you here today have ever stolen something? Raise your hand. You ever stolen something? Some of you, I'm looking around. You're not raising your hand. You know what that means? That means you're lying. You have stolen and you're lying in church on Easter. You need this sermon so bad. I'm just... Like, all of it. Come on, right? Be honest. We've all stolen. So you know what that means? That means you're a thief. (laughs) Some of you lied when I asked you if you ever stole anything. You know what that means? You're a liar. Come on. I mean, this is just the way that it goes. How many of you have ever cheated? Like on a test or something like that. You know what that means? Not only are you a thief and a liar, you're a cheater. How many of you have ever had a wrong thought about someone before, or a hateful thought about someone? You know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said if you've ever had hatred or anger in your heart towards someone else, you've actually already in your heart committed murder towards them. You know what that means? That means you're a liar, you're a thief, you're a cheat, and you are a murderer. This is a rough group, I'm just saying. It is. How about this? You don't have to raise your hand for this one, but how many have ever had a lustful thought about someone? You know what Jesus said about that? If you ever had that kind of a thought? That you are actually already in your heart committing adultery with them. Man, that's messed up. We are messed up. We are liars, thieves, cheats, murderers, adulterers. And, and that's, not just, that's not just somebody in this room. That's all of us. And Pastor, like, I'm not that bad. I, I didn't do all those, just one or two, you know. But look what James says about it in James chapter 2 and verse 10. James says this, for the person who keeps all the laws, look at this word, except what? Except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. James says like this, you can do everything right and just mess up once and it's the same as if you have messed up all of the laws. Even if you have just broken one, if you raise your hand for one thing, it's the same as if you raise your hand for all of them. Man, that's pretty messed up. In fact, that's not something we like to hear in our culture today. You don't hear this kind of stuff in the culture we live in today because here's what we like to hear. You're okay, kind of do your thing. And, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, if it's, you know, it may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me because there really is no real right or wrong. There is no absolute truth. It's all kind of relative. I can live how I want to live. You live how you want to live. And nobody can tell me that my lifestyle is wrong. Come on, you recognize this in this culture today? And when someone gets up and says, no, 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 that's wrong. That is sin. No, no, no. Who are you to tell me what is wrong and what is sin? Like 20, 30 years ago, we'd say, yeah, I know pastor that's a sin. I don't want to quit doing it, but I agree with you that it is sin. But in this day and age, we just go, no, 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 no. I can do what I want. I can live how I want. There really is no such thing. But God says, if you've broken one of his laws, you've broken them all. That we all fall short of the glory of God. None must measure up. But pastor, I'm not as bad as the other person. There's one problem with that logic. And that logic is this, is that God doesn't compare us to the other people. 
He compares us to his son, Jesus. And his son, Jesus, was perfect with no sin. And that is the standard that it takes to receive. We have broken the law. And the standard that it takes to get to God is that the standard is perfect. His son, Jesus, was perfect. And the scripture says that we all fall short of that. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter if you're better than the other people around you. When you compare yourself to the perfection of Jesus Christ, every single one of us have to look at our life and go, we've broken at least one law which means we have broken them all and we fall woefully short of the standard and the glory and the perfection of God. I like to illustrate it like this. I heard this illustration years ago and it stuck with me. Just imagine that the only way to get to God, the standard of his holiness, his righteousness was was this, that you would have to be able to jump to the moon. Now, I know that sounds silly. Okay, so stick with me for just a second. Imagine that God says in order to Get to me, you got to jump to the moon. How many would say that that's impossible? <laughs> like, it wouldn't matter how high you could jump. You can't get to the moon, right? I mean, we could survey the whole room, and we could find the person in the room that could jump the highest. Maybe you did track in high school, and you did the high jump, and so we could go, hey, you jump the highest, and we could say, do everything you can to get to the moon. Jump as high as you can, and you might jump higher than anybody else in the whole room, but guess what, guys? You ain't getting to the moon, right? I mean, we could go in the whole world and we could find Olympic athletes. You ever watch the Olympics and how high those guys, it's incredible what these guys can do. And we could get the Olympic gold medalist for jump, for high jump. And we could say, jump as high as you can, jump to the moon. And they would jump as high as they could. And still, come on, you tracking with me? They ain't going to get to the moon. You could say, all right, well, let's put them a pole in their hand and let them do that pole vault thing. That's crazy, you know? And you can ju- they can jump, but even with the pole, you can give them a trampoline. You can strap a rocket on their back, and they, by themselves, ain't getting to the moon. Because it's a standard that we will never be able to reach. And here's what God says. The only way to get to me is perfection. And it's something that you can never accomplish on your own. We could survey the whole room this morning and we could find the most righteous and most holy person in this room. And guess what? Even the most holy, righteous person in this room has broken at least one of God's laws and has in turn has broken all of them in God's eyes. You can survey the whole world. You can find the most holy, sanctified, righteous, religious person in the whole world. I mean, before he passed away a few weeks ago, you could get Billy Graham. But guess what? Billy Graham has still broken God's laws and falls short. You can get Mother Teresa. You can get whoever you want to get. And there ain't nobody that can measure up to that standard on their own. We've all fallen short. We've all broken the law. And here's the bad news. The bad news is this, because we have broken God's law, there's a penalty that must be paid. The scripture says it like this in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 23. It says that the payment, everybody say that, the payment, the payment for sin is what? Is death. That's very, very, very bad news, guys. We've all sinned. There's not a single one of us that measures up to God's standard The perfection of his son. And because we have broken the law, there is a penalty that must be paid. And the only payment that will pay the penalty for the lawbreakers that we are is somebody has to die. Let that sink in for a minute. That's bad news. But guess what? There's also good news. 
The good news is the hope of Easter that we celebrate today, that Jesus did measure up to that standard of perfection. He did live a sinless life. And what did he do? He went to that cross and he died in our place on that cross. And he didn't just die. He rose again to new life. And if there is new life, if he had new life, then you and I can have new life because of what he did for us. In fact, you read that passage in Romans 6, 23. And if you just stop at the beginning of the passage, man, It is a dark day. The payment of sin is death. But that's not the end of the passage. And that's not the end of the story either. And Jesus went into the tomb and he was dead. But that wasn't the end of the story either. That passage goes on to say, even though the payment for sin is death, the gift of God. Everybody say gift of God. The gift of God is what is eternal life. Man, we deserve to die because we are sinners. Every one of us raised our hand and said, I've lied, I've cheated, I've stolen, I've broken the law. And if I've broken one, I've broken them all. And we deserve death because we have broken the law. But there is a gift for us, the gift of eternal life that came through what Jesus did for us. Man, that is powerful good news. It is a gift. And that's why it's so important that you know those words gift. Because the truth is, is that a gift is not something that can be earned. A gift is not something that you can work for. A gift is something that is given and all you have to do is receive it. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Look what he says. He says, for it is by what? It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. Here's these words again. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Guess what, guys? You can never do enough good works to earn the gift of God. You can only receive it. In fact, it reminds me of the story of Jesus as he's hanging on the cross. Hanging there, all the sin, the world, all our sin, past, future, present, all heaped upon him as he dies that brutal death. And as he's hanging upon the cross, the Bible says there's two men that are on the cross next to him on either side. We don't know exactly why they were there, but we know that the Bible calls them a thief. So they, we know that they had that. They were a thief. We also know that that crucifixion was reserved for the, the worst of the worst criminals and There they hung upon that cross. And in those final moments, the Bible talks about in Luke 23, that one of the thieves looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And look at Jesus' answer to him. In verse 43, Jesus answers him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And I think about that, man, this guy, he couldn't do good works to earn God's grace or forgiveness. He is hanging on a cross. Like it looked like it was too late for him. If he had to do something good to get God to forgive him, it would have been too late for him. He could, I mean, he's on a cross. He can't start going to church. He can't give in the offering. He can't turn over a new leaf. He can't do good stuff. It's too late for him. But even in the moment when it seemed like all hope was gone and it was too late, the only thing he had was to put his trust in Jesus. And when he put his trust in Jesus, he was able to, even that man, the worst of the worst, hanging on a cross, was able to to receive a new life that began that day. 
And guess what, guys, man? It ain't about being better and going to church and doing good stuff. I mean, I hope you do that. But at the heart of it, that ain't never going to be good enough. And the good news is for you today is that you can receive that grace and that forgiveness in your life today. But the best news is you're not on a cross. You can leave from this place and not just walk in the forgiveness that God wants to give you. You can actually begin to walk in the purpose that God called for you to live out, that you're not saved by the good works, but you can begin to start today and begin to use your life for a good purpose in his kingdom. God wants to give you a second chance. Look at your second neighbor. That was your second choice and tell them God wants to give you a second chance. Number two, write this one down. Not only does God want to give you a second chance, maybe you need to give God a second chance. Pastor, that sounds weird. I mean, like, didn't you just say God was perfect and he didn't, he didn't mess it up? He gets it right the first time? Absolutely, he sure does. He is perfect and he never misses it and he always gets it right the first time. But let's just be honest for a second. It doesn't always feel that way. Some of you are here today and you would have to say, there have been times in my life when I felt like God failed me. Pastor, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for that loved one that was sick to get better, but they didn't get better. They got worse. They died. Where was God in that? Pastor, I hoped and I hoped and I believed that God was going to heal my marriage and and it didn't get better. It got worse. Where, Where was God in that? I did all that stuff you said in that five point sermon. I did all five of those points and it didn't work out like God failed me. Some of you, that's how you feel. Some of you have even got to a point where you're just kind of like, man, I don't know. I, maybe I even want to kind of give up on this whole God thing because I'm not even sure if it, if it really works. I mean, some of you are going, God doesn't seem fair. Like, I know what I did, but what about what was done to me? What about the things that happened to me? Where was God in that? That's, that's not fair. I mean, in fact, right after I preached the first of the five services for this weekend, a lady came up to me in the lobby and she said, I heard what you're saying, pastor, but my son, and he's been abused and things have happened. And where's God? I don't understand. And some of you, that's where you're at. And maybe you might relate to a guy in the old Testament, a guy named Joseph. I mean, all Joseph did was have a dream that God put in his heart. All he did was try to live out the purpose that God had for him. He told his brothers about the dream. And you know, the story, his brothers beat him up, abused him. Abused by his own family, thrown into a pit, left there for dead, then sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into a prison, forgotten in the prison. Can you imagine how Joseph must have thought, God, this is not fair. All I tried to do is what you wanted me to do. Where are you in that? Can you imagine the times in that 15 years that Joseph was going through all that he was going through, the times that he thought maybe this whole God thing is not worth it and maybe he wanted to give up on God? Some of you are here and you're going, you know, that's cool, but I believe God, but he's taking too long. Come on, you ever been there on that? Like I'm praying and it ain't happening? Like what is going, like when is it going to happen? Maybe you would relate to a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham. God gave him a promise. He's going to have a son. Not only have a son, but he was going to be the father of, you know, Father Abraham, you know. <laughs> As many stars in the sky. And here he is, he's 70 years old and he doesn't even have a son. 75, 80, 90, come on. Can you imagine what was going on in Abraham's? I'm not really sure if God can be depended on. God has failed me. Maybe some of you would be like the disciples and, and you would say, I don't even know if God even cares. 
Like you, you might relate to the story where the disciples get in the boat and Jesus is the one that had told them to get into the boat and he knew the storm was going to come. He get in the boat and there's a storm that arises and there, I mean, water is everywhere and they're about to sink. They're about to drown. I mean, they're about to die. And they actually had the guts to say out loud to Jesus the thing that we think so many times, but don't say in our mind, Jesus, don't you care? And some of you, man, that's where you're at. Like, if God really cared, why would he let me go through what I'm going through in life? And some of you maybe are even in this place where it's like the circumstances and the situations of your marriage, of your health, of your relationships, of your financial situation, whatever it is, is causing you to feel like God has failed me. Maybe it even, maybe it even felt that way for the disciples. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. They had put all of their hope in Jesus. Everything. They, they left their jobs, sold their businesses, left their families to follow him because their hope was in him. And this is what they thought. They thought, Jesus, he's going to be the king sent by God. And here's how it's going to work. He's going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to set up a kingdom and we're going to rule with him right here on this earth. But that ain't how ha- things happened. What happened? He was falsely accused Taken to a criminal's death. And can you imagine as he's hanging on that cross, what's happening in the disciples' hearts? I thought he was the one. I'd put my hope in him, but now I'm not sure. Because it sure looks like a failure to me. Can you imagine as they took him off that cross, he breathes his last, last, he says, it is finished. They take him down and put him in that tomb. They close the tomb. How final that must have felt. Can you imagine what have been How it looked to the disciples and to everyone else. Here's just another good guy who said some good things, but he can't. He said he's going to be the savior of the world and he can't even save himself. What a failure. Darkest day in history. Can you imagine what Friday night, what Saturday must have felt like for those who had put their hope in Jesus? And some of you, that's where you're at. I put my hope in him, but it seems like he has failed me. But this is the good news of Easter. When he went into that tomb and it was dark for those three days, on that third day, he rose again. It wasn't a failure. It was just a setup for the greatest do-over in the history of mankind. And I will tell you today that no matter where you're at, no matter how dark it may look in your life, in your marriage, in your situation, in your relationship, it may seem like God has failed you, but he hasn't failed you. You might just be in day one or day two, but I'm telling you, day three is coming and there is a resurrection that is available for you. It is never too far. You are never too far gone. And there is never without hope if Jesus has risen from the grave and that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in us, then you can have life in whatever situation you have in you. You may feel like God has failed you. You may have given up on God, but I will tell you, God has not given up on you. Maybe you look at your life and maybe you look at situations. Maybe you even go, well, I tried religion and that, man, that didn't do it for me. Let me I got good news for you. Jesus ain't about religion. He don't care about religion. He wants relationship with you. Maybe you say, well, I, you know, I did that church thing and somebody in the church, they hurt me or a pastor or a life group leader or whatever. And man, I just ready to give up on God because of that. And I got to tell you, if that happened, I'm really sorry that that happened. But I got to tell you, those people that hurt you, they're just people. 
their failures just like you and just like me. But Jesus, he will never fail you if you will put your hope in him. And it may seem dark, but here's the deal, guys. You know, when you take a seed and you plant it in the ground, you know, a seed, it goes in the ground and you bury it and you don't see it, it's dark for that seed, and it's there for a while, but one day, that seed begins to spring up eternal and new. Come on, fresh life begins to spring up through the ground, and that seed that you planted in the ground that was dark, and that was buried, and that was dead, eventually begins to bear fruit, and even a harvest, and here's the deal. Some of you have prayed some prayers, and you believe some stuff, and you put your hope in God, and it feels like a seed that's been buried in the ground, and it's dark, and it's dead, and it's gone, but I'm telling you, Jesus was in the ground, but he rose again and he is still bringing forth a harvest in the kingdom because what he he has done and the things that you have hoped for and prayed for and believed God for, there's seeds buried in the ground, but there's going to come a day when they're going to sprout up and there's going to be new fruit and there's going to be a harvest. In fact, the scripture says it like this in Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not give up in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up and quit. I'm telling you here today, this is what Easter's about. God wants to give you a second chance. Others of you, you've given up on God. Guess what? He hadn't given up on you. Maybe just, maybe you should say, hey, today, God, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to hold on just a little longer, and maybe you will see the resurrection in your life.